Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. Mic number one. I'm on my wife's mic this morning. We're changing it up a little bit. We sure missed you last week. Last week about this time, we were beginning our session right after. We were beginning breakfast. Two-hour difference. We were in beautiful Riverside, California. I found a whole lot of folks that love freedom, a whole lot of conservative, godly people. I'm so grateful. Sometimes we hear the news and other things, and it's like, is there anyone left? It's like Elijah. No one is left, Lord. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have 3,000 have not bowed their knee. I found some of that 3,000 right there as we did Marriage Encounter. Thank you for loving on us and allowing us to go and do that from time to time. This is our heart to build stronger marriages, and the Lord has got us back in the saddle. Back in September, I was kind of laid low with some COVID, and uh, you kind of need to be able to breathe and talk when you're doing Marriage Encounter. And so this was our first presentation back. Thoroughly enjoyed it out in Riverside, California, and we're back. But I had been telling you that I was looking for a couple things, a couple things on my heart. One is that we could really partner with a mission into Israel that would be effectively reaching the local Israeli people. Secondly, I was praying that God would give us divine appointments, that those people would come across my path that needed to come across a path, and we'd be open-hearted and we'd be looking for different styles and kinds and methods of ministry because God has created so much and it's so varied. And uh, it was in my heart to bring some of that coming out of COVID to get back to more normal or abnormal or whatever that is. And so I had an opportunity for that all to come together and was able to put on our calendar somebody who is a missionary to Israel. Themselves from Israel originally and i just love the way that the lord puts things together and i don't want to steal any of his thunder but i want to give us some things to think about i'm about to introduce our guest missionary this morning to israel but i wanted to prepare your heart for a couple things there's a project that i as a church would love us to become involved in maybe partner with a couple other churches to do it or maybe we could just do it on our own we're going to see how the lord leads fair enough whether it's solo or with a couple other churches we want to get involved. Secondly, we have an opportunity to give this morning. Now, you've already, many of you have given in your offerings. And at the back of the room, there is a giving box and some envelopes. In fact, do you know if the ushers have already scooped up the offering? If they haven't, go ahead and leave it. Let it ride. <laughs> we'll get it at the end and then do one count. And I'm just putting that out in the air for those that serve as board members and ushers if they have fine but at the end of the service you may want to respond with cash or check there are envelopes back there and you can give directly to shelters of hope shelters of hope uh, make out your check division church but on the memo line shelters of hope cash on every dollar bill i want you to no i'm kidding i'm kidding however you want to do that and and right through the church 100 percent will go to them and you will handle your giving credit and all the accounting and make it easier. And so you also can go to our app, our church app, which will link you to Easy Tithe or go to Easy Tithe or go home after the service, not right now, and go to Easy Tithe on your computer and you can look under special missionary projects and you will find bomb shelters in Israel. 
and you can give there on a monthly basis, one-time basis. As that comes in, we'll be sure that 100% of that goes into their account and that we do everything we can to support a missionary to Israel. And so without any further ado, I want to introduce to you Reverend Ronnie and his wife Cindy Jordan. That's a great name to be from Israel, isn't it? Last name's Jordan. Looking to make him our hands extended from Vision Church into the nation of Israel. Come, my brother. Thank you. Turn this on. Yeah. There you go. I'm on? I'm good? All right. Good morning, y'all. Last four years, I've learned to say y'all much better than when I first got here. I'm one of those refugees from California. Four years ago, my wife and I came here, and uh, we didn't bring the politics with us, so relax. Um, anyway, um, first I want to thank Pastor Doug and uh, for opening today for me and give me the opportunity to share with you. As he mentioned, uh, I'll give you a brief background of myself. Um, I grew up in northern Israel, but in western Galilee, about three miles from the Lebanese border on the coast. My mom survived Auschwitz and the Holocaust. I lost all my grandparents, never knew my grandparents, and uh, made me grow up quite cynical and hostile towards God in Israel. All religions, I couldn't stand them. Um, and then uh, my path of travel brought me to the States in 1979. 1980, I was fortunate enough. Oh, I forgot to mention, I served four years in the Israeli paratroopers as well, chasing terrorists. That's my background. So God works in mysterious ways, and I'm a living proof that those who seek will find. I had a divine encounter with him in Philadelphia from all places, working with born-again carpenters. I'm also a carpenter, by the way, from Western Galilee. <laughs> um, but I always have to mention the resemblance ends there. I don't have a Messiah complex. So, um, so uh, basically, running to some born-again carpenters, they pointed me to Isaiah 53. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. And there was a checkmate that Jesus is who he is. And I didn't have to be a genius to figure out that I'm a sinner and I need help. So it's been 40 years of a love affair with Jesus. And I'm falling in love more now than in the, than the beginning. Just like my marriage of 35 years. Um, have you ever heard about something called replacement theology? If anybody did in the, in the crowd here, raise your hand. Four people. Okay. And by the way, don't feel bad. It's typical in the church. A lot of people are, are ignorant of the history of the church and the Jews. Okay? Um, back in 325, there was a meeting of 300 bishops in a city called Nicaea. This is in Turkey. That was the beginning of the Catholic Church. 
And they decided to throw everything Jewish out of the gospel, out of Christianity. And they came out with a statement that the Jews as a whole killed Christ. Okay? That automatically put a label, a bullseye, on all the Jewish people as Christ killers. And the Catholic Church imported some nice pagan traditions and created something that was very anti-Israel and anti-Jews. Fast forward, um, came the Crusaders. You know the story about the Crusaders? They were going around killing Jewish people wholesale everywhere in Europe. And then um, there were like all kind of I don't know if you're familiar with the word pogroms. It's, it's where there was just a license to kill Jews in Europe whenever people felt like it. And uh, anybody who see the movie Fiddler on the Roof? There's one line in there that I like the most. Is he had a real bad day. His horse went lame. He had to pull his cart himself. And he has this discussion with God in the barn. And he says, God, I know we're the chosen people, but can you please choose somebody else sometimes? <coughs> it, it, <coughs> it hasn't been a joy ride being the chosen people, I guess I'm trying to say. And um, then came Martin Luther, the father of Reformation, the Protestant churches. And he wrote a book, 600-page book, called The Jews and the Lies. Anybody heard about it? Raise your hand. Pastor. <laughs> Again, most church is ignorant of it. But those writings were so hateful towards the Jewish people, I can't even, I'm not going to even quote what he wrote. And actually Hitler, which all of Germany were Lutheran, took word for word what he wrote, Martin Luther, and implemented it in the Holocaust. How to get rid of the Jews. So for Jewish people, that's Christianity. Okay? And how do you go to Israel and start telling them about Jesus loves you with that history, right? It's pretty tall order. You know, I guess a lot of these people never read Romans 11. Romans 11, I won't, that's a whole um, sermon by itself about Romans 11, but there's a couple of scriptures I want to show you. It's, it's, a, it's a good scripture chapter to read when you go home about Jewish-Gentile relationship and how God sees it, and how God wants it. It starts, verse 1, it's up there. Um, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, oh God forbid, for I to an Israelite descendant, but God forbid, he has not rejected his people. Then in verse 11 it says, again, Say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? Again, certainly not. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the three stooges. Certainly, certainly. So certainly not. Um. And then it keeps on saying, uh, to be uninformed of this, Mister, uh, and no, back to back for a minute to uh, eleven. Um, may never be. 
But the transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles through their so-called transgression. They're cutting off to make them jealous. And we'll end on that note today that you have a job to provoke the Jews to jealousy. I'm good in provoking them to anger. Okay? I'm real good at it. Okay? But it's your job to provoke them to jealousy. And that's why Israel is a unique mission field different than any other mission field on the planet because of this history. Because how much the devil specifically hates them more than any other ethnic group on the planet. They brought forth the Bible, they brought forth the Messiah. Two things that kicked his, you know what. <laughs> okay? So, um, you know, if I, if I asked you, why, why did God cut off the Jewish people? What would be the typical answer? that most people think. Pastor, why did he cut off the Jewish people? Disobedience. Okay. My answer to that is, the Jews don't have monopoly on being stiff-necked and disobedient. Guess what? You all qualify for that too. Okay? And did Jesus, did God love the Jewish people even when they were sinners? Did he? He called them the apple of my eye and all kind of wonderful things, right? Did the promises to him are forever or temporary? Forever, right? So he won't go back on those. You guys like the fact that Jesus loves you yet when you are right now a sinner? Imagine there was a screen behind me showing the secret, your secret thoughts right now. That won't be too much fun, right? The church will be empty in no time. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is that God's love to the Jewish people in Israel was not conditional on their behavior. He knew they're going to disobey. Who can obey the law? Nobody, right? It was all pointing to grace, the grace of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Everything, all this, the whole story. And I also like to share that <clears throat> the Lord grieved when Jesus died on the cross, right? It was a very difficult moment to the, for the Father, right? Being first time separate from His Son in eternity. <clears throat> I believe that He grieved when He had to cut His beloved chosen people off. But you know why He did that? He had mercy on demon-worshipping heathens like yourselves. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> it's not an insult, I'm just stating the facts. What you wear before Christ. Am I right? And it's important that you recognize that, because otherwise you don't fully appreciate grace. You take it for granted. Jesus loves me, this I know. No, it's not that simple. It's that what it's not free. It came with all kind of prices. The Jewish people, Israel, heavy prices. Okay, so when you come back to 
understanding and loving the Jewish people, you get a deeper understanding and meaning of grace. That's my belief. And I'm, my job, what I'm trying to do is somewhat to rebuild the damage that the phony church has done for 2,000 years. Um, fortunately, your pastor got it. He has a love for Israel that is great encouragement for me. A lot of pastors, unfortunately, are ignorant. They've never been taught properly. The teaching of Martin Luther went into the hard drive of the church, in the programming. And a lot of people don't deliberately think that way. It's just, that's the way it is. Um, and churches and individuals are being robbed from the blessing that comes from blessing Israel. I didn't write that in Genesis. God did. Those who bless them shall be blessed, right? Those who curse them shall be cursed. It's a choice. Let's fast forward again to... Well, I missed one scripture. I'll go to that real quick. In Romans 11.25 For I do not want you, brethren, to be ignorant of this mystery... So you won't be wise in your own eyes, your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And the next line is, then all of Israel shall be saved after that. Fullness of the Gentiles, what is it? It's a mystery. It starts with the word, it's a mystery. I like mysteries. My conclusion in the context of Romans 11 that he's talking about a fullness of awareness in the church of their duty to love the Jews back. Okay? That's the only thing that will provoke them to jealousy and get them saved, in my opinion. Now, there is an event coming in Zechariah where a third of Israel survives the Antichrist. Two-thirds are going to be killed. And they see Jesus physically showing up after he killed the Antichrist, and they all get saved in one day. But that's, I believe there's still also a process from now until then that this fullness applies to. It's not a one time event, in my opinion. So hopefully I'll manage to recruit you to love on Israel. Um, in Israel today, Native-born, Hebrew-speaking Israelis. There's about six million of us. The rest are immigrants or foreigners who live in Israel. How many do you think know the Lord? Out of six million, or even more than six million. One percent would be 60,000? How about if I told you there's less than 2,000 of us in all of Israel? Pretty tragic, huh? Look at the world events, how close it is, how close we're coming. So, there is a sense, plus the spiritual warfare over Israel is the most intense than anywhere on the planet. We've been going there since 2006, Cindy and I, remodeling old bomb shelters in my hometown. I'll talk about it in a minute. And every three months we go, three months we come back. We come back so beaten up, spiritually speaking. Um, 
there's not, not a place the devil hates more. And the more Jewish people come to know him, the sooner his end comes. So I can hardly wait. I have something in common with the devil, by the way, just to let you know. You know what it is? We hate each other's guts. Okay. <laughs> it's okay to hate. God says so. Certain things. Um, so it's a very difficult mission field to penetrate. Typical methods don't work in Israel. Normally in other countries you go and you start an indigenous church, right? Locals, you get a few people saved. They open a local church to the local people, the local language, and you got yourself movement going. It doesn't work in Israel. So, and that's why we cannot do it without you guys. I have very lively Bible discussions, Bible study groups in our apartment there, but ultimately, it's when that touch with the love of the Gentiles, something wakes up in their hearts that's divine. That's I cannot describe any other way. It's beautiful. Um, you ever seen a, those nature shows where a desert doesn't get rained for like years, decades, and then the first drop that hits the ground, all these flowers come up? They respond to it? I believe that's how God designed the Jewish hearts. They want to be provoked to jealousy when they see the real Jesus in you. And our job is try to arrange the meeting. Regular organized tours to Israel never meet the people. Okay? You go on a bus like a herd of sheep. You get herded from one side to the other. Take pictures, have a Bible study. Have a smooth talking tour guide and a fly back home. What a waste of opportunity because the Israelis, like I said, has never met and probably never would otherwise a true born again Christian. These bomb shelters God gave to us in 2006 has become a very effective vehicle to penetrate the Israeli society because there's a huge need for those. About half of the, most Israelis live in apartment buildings, not in a private home. And their apartment is their home. They own the apartment and there's a homeowner association. And a lot of the buildings in Israel are 50, 60 years old. That's where the poorer, weaker population lives in, or young couples who can't afford a new place. And their bomb shelters are in very sad shape. And they don't have the money to fix it. So God says, use your experience. I was a general contractor in California for 30 years, as well as a minister with Assemblies of God. Take both experiences, combine them. <clears throat> I know Israelis. I speak Hebrew better than English. They can't pull anything over me. Go and raise funds for the shelters and go fix them. And then soon after we started, we started bringing teams on something we call a tour of duty. It's not a regular tour. The term sounds familiar, tour of duty. Militarily, going to Vietnam or to Afghanistan. By the way, pray for our oldest son. He is right now in northern Iraq, Marine Special Forces. His name is Adam. Just put him on your prayer list, please.
So, um, you know, when those teams that come to work on the bomb shelters, I'll describe in a minute what the tour looks like. But I firmly believe that the souls we touch that are seeking their good ground, you know, the hearts are good ground, could very well be part of the 144,000 that are going to save billions through the tribulation, the old Jews, or part of the third that survives after the Antichrist. Because they were seeking, they were trying to find God, he'll preserve them. That's my personal belief. I don't have proof, but I believe that. And we can be planting the seeds, you know. To remodel a bomb shelter that will hold 60 to 100 or sometimes more Israeli souls, okay, that's the amount of people in the building, costs $25,000. Now, anybody here remodeled their kitchen in the last few months? Raise your hand. Last year? How much did it cost, if I may ask? 10000 That's cheap. On the average, it starts at twenty twenty-five and goes up from there over 100 Depends how elaborate you want it. The reason I bring that up, when you talk missions, $20,000, $25,000 sounds like a lot of money. And it is. But then again, it isn't. Calculating what it's going to accomplish. First, providing a physical needed shelter from hundreds of thousands of rockets that are pointing right now to Israel. From Hezbollah in Lebanon, from Hamas in Gaza, Iranians in Syria, and on and on. <coughs> Second, it provides a vehicle to actually reach their hearts as well and lead them towards an eternal bomb shelter. Okay? Third, you won't have much return on that kitchen in, in the kingdom, right? On that investment. You'll have a huge return on, on the investment in his people. And if you give it enough time, let's say we plan to go in November, Lord willing. Okay, October, November. That's about six months to come together with that. It's doable if you want to do it. Another good aspect of this of this operation is the fact that it costs about forty costs forty two hundred dollars per person to go on a trip besides the bomb shelter. Regular tours to Israel today, with all the increase in prices, are five six thousand dollars at least. Forty two hundred covers all the expenses, but there's a catch. First, how many here would like to go to Israel on a tour of duty, regardless of your age, your health? Raise your hand. Awesome. Not enough hands. For a time like this, you were brought into the kingdom. God likes courage in his children. Um... There's hardly any, or I don't know of any, mission trips to Israel. They don't exist. They exist to Mexico, to any country, Africa, any place in the world, but not to Israel. Because this is a mission trip, you can raise the funds to go. 
over a period of time. People who can go themselves and want the blessings that comes from blessing Israel enable you to go, they get the same blessing. So that gives it a real good angle for people who otherwise could not afford going. Um, what happens on a trip? You arrive on a Sunday. Next day, you go into the bomb shelter, clean it out, and just start plaster, plastering the walls. Not complicated. Anybody can do it. You don't need professional knowledge to do it. And people who can do less, focus more on loving on the people in the building and let the other ones do the work. The work is secondary. I have subcontractors. I can I finish the shelter after the team leaves. It's more symbolic to see this, I won't say spoiled, but Americans <laughs> show up living the comfortable life in Texas or any place else, paying their way, paying for the shelter, getting plastered and dirty, and it really blows the minds of the residents of the building. They cannot compute what's going on here. And first fear is, oh, they're coming to convert us. Right? The line, I share with someone outside, I like to tell the team when they arrive, tell the residents of the building that you converted to Judaism. I get those looks. I'm not going to deny Jesus. I said, no, that's, I'm just giving you wisdom to be a good fisherman. You were grafted into the Jewish tree. Your, Jew, your Savior is Jewish. Do you have a circumcised heart? Are you enjoying the promises to Abraham? Co-inheritor? Last I checked, spiritually, you're 100% Jewish. Yes or no? But guess what? You neutralize instantly their fear and mistrust. The product of what we talked about earlier, the 2,000 year worth of persecution. You say, you just come and thank them that everything I have came from you. That opens the door instantly and relaxes them. Okay? So, we'll put the challenge forward with Pastor. Like I said, just your church or combined with other churches. But there has to be um, a real sense of urgency. Not just with our work in Israel, but sense of urgency, period, in all of your lives. Okay? Whatever God called you to do. Whatever your sphere of influence is. Israel is the barometer for God's plans. Always has been. Watch the news, what's going on right now. I've never seen all the players of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38, on the border sitting physically with Israel. I've never seen it before. They're sitting there right now. Russia, the bear is wounded, is getting desperate. And God says he's going to put a hook in the jaw and bring them down against Israel. It'll happen after your trip. Don't worry. <laughs> But there's no atheists in foxholes. Israel is now sensing the end times, whether you're not a believer or a believer. And they're more open than ever to find hope. And we should capitalize on that. But also, like I said, in your personal lives, reprioritize 
invest and do whatever you can with people you can affect around you because the time might be up in the blink of an eye. Just encouraging you to do that. Um, this year, we were the leadership at the headquarters in Waxahachie of the North Texas Assemblies of God uh, really liked what we have done in Israel. And even though I did not go through the normal passageway of a missionary with the Assemblies of God, even though I'm ordained with them, um, decided to appoint us as missionaries from the North Texas district to Israel. And used this year of something called itinerating. I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but it's new to me. That means knocking a lot of doors and and humbling myself. I'm so humble, I'm proud of it. <laughs> um, I always worked from my living most of my life. So for me to go around with a hat asking for support is difficult. Okay? But God told me it's not about you. And if we can succeed this year in creating a foundation to carry us while we're there, it'll be awesome. So, one one last thing I want to share. How am I doing on time? I'm good? One more scripture. Back to for a moment for the shelter and the team. It's... Uh, in Romans 15:27, I'll read my version, New King James. I like it better. Um, for if the the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, right? You shared in the blessings, right? They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Okay, so there is a debt of gratitude that has to be there towards the Jewish people. It's not a guilt trip. I'm repeating. Some people use it as such. I don't like to do that. I grew up with a Jewish mother who was the master of guilt trips on me. So I hate it. I'm not going to do it to anybody else. (laughs) But there is a debt of gratitude. If you recognize the story, you recognize they were cut off on your behalf. And now it's God really desires to restore them to himself. And you can be part of it. What a privilege. Okay? And trust me, when it's over, when we're raptured, the Antichrist can have all the money we have or don't have. He can have it. But it'll be useless at that point. Right? So now is the time to use it for the kingdom. Last thing, besides support, financial support, we covet more than anything else your prayers. Okay? I take them very seriously. And I like to give, give you a picture in your mind about what your prayers do. When I was in the Israeli paratroopers, I was given a big machine gun like Rambo, you know? M60 is called. It's heavy. You cannot shoot it in one hand. I guarantee it. You know, like in the movies, he shoots two of them in one hand. No. That's a heavy machine gun with a bunch of bullets, chains coming out of it. And uh, my job was to go on a hillside 
and opened fire on the enemy, keeping his head down, while my other fellow soldiers charging. And that's how I view your prayers. You're opening spiritual fire on the enemy to keep his head down while Cindy and I are charging ahead. So from wherever your prayer closet is, you're taking an active participant, active part of the fight. I just, this is a little more, a good image to keep. Because sometimes they all be praying. It's a huge deal. Okay? So, um, I encourage you, outside there's some flyers and cards on the table to grab one. Um, or check us our website. It's, it's simple. It's sheltersofhope.org. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what God would do. We'll do one more raising of hands before you completely fall asleep on me. How many here think that you'd like to be part of one way or another of, of a bomb shelter in Israel? Raise your hand. Now I'm seeing some hands. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's it, Pastor. I just don't know. I can keep talking. You wind me up. but We're going to go to lunch and we're going to continue talking. Okay. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you. Musicians are going to come and take their place, and we're going to have an opportunity for worship. As they do, I just want to lay that out before you. Something I, I'm just delighted because I've been frustrated because I want to do something for Israel, but it's hard to find a mission into Israel to, that, is, that is effective. And here we get a chance to talk about grassroots get into their lives, go to a Shabbat meal, and ingratiate ourselves to the people of that apartment building, the ladies ministering to the ladies and building relationships. Can you imagine being able to email and have communication and contact? Oh, oh he's getting up again. Y'all pray for me. Okay, kick his mic back on there. Okay. I forgot to mention, and I have to. I'm sorry. Um, I forgot to describe what happens at the Tour of Duty. And so you started to, but Sunday you arrive, you plaster for three days, love on the people, they start coming down with cakes and coffee and cookies, and you're building relationships with the people who live there. Almost all of them speak some English. Then Thursday, we let the plaster dry. I used to be a tour guide in Israel. I know Galilee like the palm of my hand. I grew up there. So we go out on small cars on a tour of Galilee and the Golan Heights. Friday, come back to paint. Simple. Afternoon, we go clean up, and then we come back for a Friday night Sabbath dinner, which is something very sacred to Jewish families. You know, the whole family gets together on Friday night honoring the, the Sabbath. And for them to invite the team by pairs into their homes is the peak of the trip. Because uninterrupted, loving, you gain their trust by then, open conversations, and they're thirsty. And then Saturday we have a goodbye lunch, and there's no dry eye in the crowd on both sides, because everybody fell in love with everybody. And then you have three, four days of touring Israel as part of this. Since you already made it this far, we get a small tour bus, 
and a guide, and you go to Sea of Galilee, check Capernaum and all those places around the Sea of Galilee. Sunday, you drive down to the Dead Sea, and Gedi, Masada, and Gedi is with David Hid, remember, from Saul? The goats. The goats. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Monday, up to Jerusalem for a couple of days, and see Jerusalem, and then back home. So, just wanted to share that. Okay. All right. Don't you love Brother Ronnie? I just, I just felt like an answer to our prayer as a congregation took place that day. It's part of why my eyes lit up. Because I saw it all coming together. And I could just see that going. Some of, how many of you want to go to Israel? And make a difference in Israeli lives directly. Yeah. We often get insulated on tours. and has its place. But I was hungry for how can we get into contact with the people of Israel. And so this is a beautiful opportunity. At the very least, pray. How many of you will pray? Well, this is going to go on my prayer list. And we have an opportunity to give and support him as an itinerating missionary and help him to have an underwriting of his budget to be able to do this. We as a church are going to get involved with that. And if you'd like to, you can just notify me that you're going to, we're going to give a certain amount. And if more than that comes in, we're going to make a commitment to a higher level to them on an itinerating missionary basis. But we also, I, here's what I'd love to do. I'd love for Vision Church to totally sponsor a $25,000 bomb shelter build. And uh, there's some things we want to do in our own facility. And I see this as a way to sow seed over in, in the nation of Israel as, as we prepare to go forward with our own renovations on our own physical building, I think it'd be a great way to connect with the heart of God on that. That's all going to become concrete as we move forward. And I'm going to let you know as a congregation, but thank you, brother Ronnie, for coming and sharing that because we're going to partner with you on every level. Amen. Amen. One more applause to let them know you love them and you believe in what they're doing. Tasha is going to come and we're going to worship. You're going to have an opportunity during the time of worship. One of our forms of worship is giving. And if you'd like to go back, grab an envelope and give directly and just put shelters of hope on the memo line, write your check out to Vision Church. That's great. If you want to get on the app rather than playing uh, Angry Birds or something, but you go to the church app to give, that's an act of worship. And you can open up Easy Tie there on your app and give this morning to that. And then we're going to commit on down the line, and you're going to hear a little bit more about that as we go forward. Amen. Let's stand together. Mm. I feel such a heavy, heavy anointing as I was sitting. And I just want you to take a minute and bow your head and your heart before the Lord. And say, Lord, speak to me. Such a heavy anointing in this place. And Father, we just open up to you. We open up to you, Father, to have your way. To have your way, Father. To love your people. To love you, Father. We say yes to you, Jesus. Some of you may be afraid to say yes. Let us trust you and say yes, Father. 
We say yes to you, Jesus. Lord, what you have done for us, Lord, it's been amazing how you have blessed us, how you have poured into us. And I pray, Lord, that we would say thank you by giving. Thank you by going. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Father, you want to love through us to love your people. Oh, God, that our hearts would be broken for the lost. For the lost of Israel. Father, speak to our hearts. How can we say thank you, Father, with our time, with our finances, with our resources, to bless your people? You've been so good to us. How can we show them your love, Father, to pour in your love to your precious people? Have your way, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. Open our ears to hear. And we just surrender to you, Father. We surrender to you, Father, that you would have your way through us at this point in time in our lives, Father. And we thank you, Father. You are good. You are good. You are good, Father. You are good, Father. We may sing this a cappella. Yes. He has been so good. Amen. There is such a heavy anointing. Don't miss this time. I want to invite the Jordans to go ahead and slip into the foyer. And while everyone else stands to their feet in here, I just want to speak a blessing over you. Is that okay if I speak a blessing? A benediction, a statement of the goodness of God and His blessings. May the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon your spirit. May you find His face shining upon you. His peace surrounding you. His provision meeting you coming and going. And may you have a great week in Him. Amen. Lord bless us as we go.